This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of SFF Yeah! is brought to you by Tor Books publisher of The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. Read the first novel in Robert Jordan's internationally best-selling epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time, soon to be an original prime video series starring Rousman Pike as Moiraine. The Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten, when the age that gave it birth returns again. What was, what will be, and what is may yet fall under the shadow. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 117, and we're recording on November 12th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we are making holiday gifting recommendations. So much fun. Tis the season to beat the supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I don't know if you saw that Liberty did a joke like, I dressed up as the scariest thing I could think of for Halloween. And she just had like like a sign on her that oh, said yeah. supply chain. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. I totally saw that. <laughs> that was so funny. Truly. That was like the best low-key Halloween costume yeah, you could come up with. It is truly the demon of our time. So yeah, if you hadn't heard, because of continuing <laughs> pandemic and printing and manufacturing conditions, uh, everything, like literally everything, whatever it is, including books, is a mess this year uh, because of supply chain reasons. So if you or are ordering things... Order them early, including these books. These books are great. You should order them. That's my... <laughs> yes. That's the whole episode right there. <laughs> that is the whole episode. And hopefully I'm trying to get on top of it too. And um, so I'm going to be really interested in hearing your recommendations. Yeah. Well. I did start my gifting list, but I, do, I can't give books because all of my friends work in books. And like the last thing that they want or need is more books. <laughs> So totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. I get that. I feel it strongly. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into our gifting, we're going to do news. And before we do news, we're going to hear from another sponsor, which is Tor Books. Uh, this one is for Charlie Jane Anders uh, in her short story collection, bestselling author Charlie Jane Anders upends genre cliches and revitalizes classic tropes with heartfelt and often pants-weddingly funny social commentary. <laughs> the stories in this collection, by their very outrageousness, achieve a heightened realism unlike any other, and Anders once again proves she's one of the strongest voices in modern science fiction. Uh, writer Andrew Sean Greer called her This Generation's Le Guin, which is very high praise. The title of the collection is Even Greater Mistakes by Charlie Jane Anders, obviously. Um, and she has won the Hugo Award, the Nebula Award, the Lambda Literary Award. You've heard her 
mentioned on the show many a time. So again, that is her new short story collection, Even Greater Mistakes by Charlie Jane Anders. Okay, news. That sounds excellent. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's talk news. Um, So I wanted to kick it off with an adaptation news story I'm really excited about. So Toussaint Egan from Polygon reported on this new Station Eleven teaser that offers a first look at the series. So this is a limited series. It's going to be 10 episodes on HBO Max. And I'm particularly excited about the Station Eleven adaptation because I think I was mentioning this on the Slack um, at work that I had just recently read Station Eleven. I was catching up uh, with everybody else who read Emily St. John Mandel's 2014 novel. It came out so long ago. 2014 sounds like a million (laughs) years ago. So I was like, I'm kind of taking it as uh, me accidentally reading it at the perfect time. Because now I... I'll have it fresh in my mind. So I watched this trailer, which is excellent and gave me goosebumps because it it looks like it's very well done. Like it's very cinematic and it has that sweeping music you expect. And I know since it's HBO Max, there's going to be a lot of money funneled into this uh, production or there was money funneled into it. It's already done. Mm. Uh, so I'm really excited. I've already, I already have noticed some things that look different about uh, the way it's plotted. But it also stars a, a really great cast, including Mackenzie Davis, who, who was on Black Mirror, another uh, truly terrifying <laughs> show. And Hamish Patel, who was in Yesterday in Tenet. Gael Garcia Bernal, who's in one of my favorite movies, Itu Mama Tambien. And um, this is also directed by Hiro Murai, who did the music video for Childish Gambino. Um, and also directed Atlanta, which also has... Um, uh, Donald Glover in it. So it sounds really cool. It sounds like it's going to be great. And I am not going to read the book again to compare and contrast, but I just want to, I'm just really excited to see how they change the story and how they figure out like the differences between how they jump from one time to another mm. and how Jivan's character is going to be realized, whether he's going to have as much of a a role in the adaptation versus the book itself. Um, so it looks really good. What do you think about it? Yeah. why My overwhelming feeling of watching this trailer, which does look great, is that I was like, I can't remember if that's something from the book or not like I yeah if you would ask me I'd be like I totally remember the book but it, I read it I think maybe even before it first came out and I have not reread it since so that's like what seven eight years ago now yeah and I was like oh I should read read it but then I was thinking no actually I should not I should just watch the adaptation <laughs> on its uh, like for its own self because they you know any good adaptation 
hopefully maintains the spirit of a book, but like inevitably is forced to make some changes. And so uh, it might actually be better for me to go into this with an open mind and not be constantly trying to be like, was that in the book? Was that in the book? Which is what I tend to do. <laughs> like, yeah. I like I think a lot of readers. So I did love the book. I am really curious as to how I'll feel watching this. This is my other thought is because, yes. you know, yeah. we have lived through this now in our time. And obviously it's different. It's a flu in Station Eleven, but it's still a pandemic. And... It's still extremely disruptive, and I just I just wonder. I just wonder how I'm going to feel. I don't know. I don't know is the answer, but I definitely will at least try to watch it. <laughs> yeah, they actually mentioned how it was announced back in the summer of 2019, mm. and, you know, like, before we yeah. knew what was coming down the road, so it's like a, just a strange, uncanny coincidence that... A horrifying coincidence yeah. that the story about a pandemic happened um, or got uh, announced right before a pandemic. Right. Uh, right. So that is going to be interesting. I'm wondering if it's going to strike a different chord with me as well. But I'm looking forward to it. It's going to premiere on HBO Max on December 16th. So you'll have it pretty soon. Very nice. All right, let's see. Let's talk next about the World Fantasy Award winners. Yes. So these were announced recently. Uh, Molly Templeton on Tor.com has the write-up, and this is for 2021. And uh, the winner for novel was Trouble the Saints by Aliyah Don Johnson, who I know we've talked about on the show before, a great writer. I have not read that book yet, but I'm very excited to. Um, and that was a stacked slate. That also included... Piranesi by Susanna Clark, The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia, and The Midnight Bargain by CL Polk. So like that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome novel shortlist. So yeah, <laughs> big congrats great. to Johnson for that win. And then our beloved Tony uh, excuse me, Toji Onibuchi won novella category for Riot Baby. Yay! Hooray. Congratulations. Also a great category, although I have read less of these, which is funny to me because I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm so on top of my novella game, but I have only read, I actually have read zero of the nominated novellas. So I have some catching up to do. And then I'm often (laughs) behind on the short fiction and anthology categories. No exception here. I do really want to read the winner of the collection award, which went to Where the Wild Ladies Are by Aoko Matsuda, translated by Polly Barton, because I am trying to read more SFF in translation. So... That one was particularly of interest to me. What about you? Yeah, I'm definitely interested in where the wild ladies are. And I am in the same camp. Like the novella winner, Riot Baby, I've obviously read and talked about on this show. Um, And I have had Ring Shout on my list forever. Mm. And it... Like, it bothers me that I still have not read it, and seeing it on this list was, like, a reminder of that. Uh, but, yeah, I I loved um, Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, but I have not read Trouble the Saints, so 
I definitely want to catch up on some of the more recent books that have come out and are getting shouted out mm-hmm. um, because I am not caught up in any by any means. Uh, <laughs> well, I think we just need to accept that we'll never catch up, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally fine. It's aspirational. I'm doing a lot of reading. <laughs> Yeah, well, congratulations to all the award winners. Yes, yes, big Um, congrats to everybody. And actually, if you are trying to build your list like we perpetually are, Mm. uh, Publishers Weekly also released their best books of 2021. And in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror category, there were, um, it looks like there I don't know how many picks, a handful of picks. And I have a couple of these books on my list. I actually have In the Watchful City on my list, and it's on my coffee table right now because I was thinking I would read it for this episode specifically, and I did not get around to it, but it sounds like a really great book. And The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri is on here, and Eddie Okorafor's Noor which is a new release, is there. On Fragile Waves is another one that's on my shelf that I've been meaning to read. So there are a handful of books we've talked about mm-hmm. and have been wanting to read, I think. Do any of these stand out to you? Well, I was proud of having read three of the seven. Uh, that made me feel yeah. like, okay, I, I am caught up to PW anyway, for the most part. <laughs> um, yeah, and a couple of these actually are going to appear on my recommendations below, so I won't talk about them too much. But In the Watchful City, yes. that is such an interesting book. I read it earlier this year, and I still haven't figured out how to talk about it because it is extremely singular is the way I want to say it. Mm. And so if you are like, I, it's, it really feels very hard to sum up or categorize. And it, so if that's the kind of thing that tempts you as a reader, I do recommend it. It does go some pretty dark places. Uh, content warning for for sure suicide, and I believe there's some other tough stuff in there. But uh, it is really fascinating on you know gender and power, and the narration style is very like again singular. It is a singular read. So if you are interested in that, pick it up. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's, re- it's really weird in a great way. <laughs> I love that about novellas. I feel like that is like short stories can be as well. It's a great uh, testing ground for new forms and styles and just like general strangeness. Yeah. I, I just love that. The general strangeness is a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm very curious to see what the author as Choi Lu does next because I just like don't like I said it's singular so it's like what what is going to happen next? I have no idea. It's very interesting. So, yeah, that's that's mm. my that's my thoughts on that. I do oh, I did see a desolation called Peace on here. I read the first book in this series, a memory memory called empire which i really enjoyed and i meant to get to the sequel and i just didn't so uh it is nice to see that that's that that is apparently very good because book twos are hard right like book twos are they are they really are uh but that's that's great news to see that the the author was able to pull out a book two and 
make it slap. So Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's see. Oh, our last little bit of adaptation news. We won't talk about this too much since you already heard about them as a sponsor. But uh, from Ars Technica and Jennifer Ouellette uh, reporting on the Wheel of Time trailer. So I, let me t- just tell you, I've been following this, as many of you know, and... They are releasing so many teasers and posters and trailers and excerpts and just like a ton. I mean, the promo engine over there is just running nonstop. We're like a week out from the release of the show, so it's not a surprise. But this long trailer is from the end of October. And it is long, y'all. It is like long. And it is... It has got a lot in it. There's just so much in it. So I think if you are a fan of this show, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there for you. I am curious. Did did you watch it, Sharifa? The trailer? Yeah. I watched the trailer, yeah. Did, it was like, I, you don't know I the books, right? The books. So like yeah, what's no. what's your feeling about it? Like is it interesting to you? I love big epic stories in general and because the production quality oh. was so exceptional yes. i i was just like blown away and also i think for people who haven't read the series and are just generally looking for something like that endless quest for something game of mm. thrones like mm. in terms mm-hmm. of like scope and just this like a big bombastic fantasy story. Yeah. I think that this it will probably like that's why this trailer excited me because I felt like this might be it. Yeah, I mean I think they're definitely going for that for sure. Definitely trying to capture that audience. And this property yeah. is not a grimdark property for the record. Like I would be surprised if it got anywhere near as violent and dark as Game of Thrones, because it will mean they've really changed the atmosphere of the source material. But it is a hundred percent that big sweeping bombastic is a great word, fantasy epic. So yeah. I'm gonna be super curious to see the responses from folks who are coming to to it fresh and from folks who have like a vested interest in in the original so anyway there's a link to that if you want to watch it yeah i'm definitely gonna watch it when it comes out nice yeah we'll let you know indeed great well before we get to our holiday recommendations i'm gonna tell you about our next sponsor which comes from tour teen bringing us All of Us Villains by Amanda Foodie and Christine Lynn Herman. All of Us Villains is a dark tale of ambition and magic from blockbuster co-writing duo Amanda Foodie and Christine Lynn Herman. Every generation, seven families in the city of Ilvernath each name a champion to compete in a tournament to the death. The prize? Exclusive control over a secret wellspring of high magic, the most powerful resource in the world. This year, thanks to a salacious tell-all book, the seven champions are thrust into the spotlight, granting each of them new information, new means to win, and most importantly, a choice. Accept their fate or rewrite their story. So if you really loved the victors of the Hunger Games, you should meet the villains of the Blood Veil, 
This is for fans of The Atlas Six, Leigh Bardugo, Jennifer Lynn Barnes, and Stephanie Garber. All of Us Villains is available now wherever books are sold. So check it out. Okay. Holiday Let's talk about picks. our holiday picks. Yes. Uh, I love this exercise because I'm always trying to come at it from, which is maybe like a leftover of my bookseller days. Like, who is this for? Like, okay, so you're shopping mm-hmm. for X. What do they want? So uh, my first pick is my this is for people who love witch stories who love magical realism and who love intergenerational family drama and secrets it's the inheritance of orchidea divina by zoraida cordova and i love this book so much it's so <laughs> it's so good it's also cordova's first uh, adult novel, technically, I guess, which I mean, I think mm-hmm. the the YA she's been writing is very readable crossover wise. But but this all of these characters are adults, and the family are the Montoyas, and the matriarch of the family, Orchidia, is very mysterious to her descendants. We've got two generations um, following her, and anybody who's grown up in that house knows that like. You just don't ask questions. Like, you just don't. Like, you just... Things, strange things happen. You know, the cupboard is never empty. The rooster is, like, a bajillion years old. Like, strange and supernatural things maybe happen. The house appeared out of nowhere when she first made it. But, like, everybody's just going to pretend that everything's normal. It's fine. Uh, And then they go out into the world and, like, try to have normal lives with this sort of very strange family background. So when we open the story, we meet... uh, the third generation, the grandchildren, who have are, are like in their 20s. They're like, you know, living in the big city, trying to make careers for themselves and be normal, which is, you know, they're succeeding to varying degrees. And they get these letters from Orchidia saying, like, I am going to die soon. So come home while I'm still alive and get your inheritance. And so a lot of them think it's money. Everybody in the family receives one of these letters. They all convene on the family home, and, which is in this very small town. And Orchidia is turning into a tree, which is, you know, nobody was really <laughs> prepared for. And their inheritance is not money. And everybody is fighting with everybody. It is like the most quintessentially like family drama scene ever. I felt so seen by that. <laughs> like I was like, oh, yes, I have been at this family meeting. Like obviously <laughs> nobody in my family has turned into a tree, but like otherwise the vibes are real. So <laughs> then we jump forward like seven years and somebody like terrible things are happening to the members of the family. And it appears that someone is like hunting them down. So the grandchildren have to sort of figure out like, what is the big secret? What is this person? Do they exist? What do they want? Why are people dying? Like what is going on? And it is such a journey. Uh, It takes place both in the U.S. and Ecuador, which is where Orchidia is originally from. And it is so engrossing and the characters are so great. And like I said, like extremely witchy vibes, magical realism, all of all of those juicy things. So it is a great gift for the person in your life who is into that kind of thing. So, again, that's The Inheritance of Orchidia Divina by Zoraida Cordova. 
Awesome. Well, I was also thinking about who was going to get what book. And my first pick is for anyone like me who is in need of a more hopeful, um, hope-inspiring holiday <laughs> read, I guess. <laughs> so I'm recommending A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. And this is the first book in a series, but I think it can also be read as a standalone. I felt like it could be at least. And so I think it's good for either fans of series or people who are more interested in reading standalone novels and novellas. And I just think a lot of us right now are looking for sources of hope and a vision of the future that isn't fire and brimstone a la climate change. And I thought that this was a good potential source as a hope punk book that takes a look at a future where things have happened and the world is changed, but everybody isn't miserable and suffering all day long. (laughs) So the book follows a tea monk and a robot. Um, The former is on a sort of soul-searching journey, and the latter is on more of a intellectual or anthropological research mission. And the two become unlikely companions who, you know, as it turns out, might have the opportunity to help each other on uh, their soul-searching journeys, even though their paths would seemingly take them in separate directions. And I just think there's some quaintness and some coziness in the form of a utopian, nature-keen civilization in Dex, who is this tea monk who has a tea shop on wheels and also in Splendid Speckled Mosscap, who's the robot who has insatiable curiosity, and also in the pair's rapport. But there are also some really interesting philosophical questions folded into this coziness, and there are some real serious, powerful moments that happen in the book, uh, particularly with Dex and this really deep question at the heart of the story. So I just think this is a really gentle, short, and moving novella that will touch just about every reader. And I can't think of a person in my life I would not recommend this to right now. So that was a psalm for The Wild Built, again, by Becky Chambers. I will co-sign that and also say that that book is a great book to combo with your favorite tea for whoever you're giving it to because they're going to want to drink a cup of tea while they're reading that book. I love that idea. Yeah. So it's like a built-in combo for you there. Uh, All right. Let's see. So my next pick, speaking of people who are looking for the next like sort of Game of Thrones-y experience, my next pick is The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, which is the first book in a new series. Don't yell at me. It's going to be totally (laughs) worth it. (laughs) It's so good, y'all. It is for the person who loves like immersive, epic fantasy, world building, also badass femme leads. Um, I will give content warnings. It gets dark. It has uh, child abuse and child death and violent misogyny as part of it. So if those are non-starters for you or the person you're gifting for, skip it. But 
This is great. So the two main characters, Malini and Priya, come from very different backgrounds. Malini is a imprisoned, exiled princess. Her brother is like a violent tyrant and tried to burn her at the stake in a ritual that was supposedly like an honor for her. But she was like, I will decline this honor. Thanks very much. Like, no. And so now she is in exile and imprisoned and like is being drugged and like they're trying to prevent her from, you know, having any power whatsoever. Priya has a secret. She's currently a maidservant, um, but she actually escaped from a horrible fate that we're not supposed to know about. So I won't spoil it for you, but she uh, ends up working for Malini and the way their stories twine around each other and overlap and then bring you into this world and it's like politics and it's magic and everything that's going on. Oh, it's just so good. It's so good. I love these characters. I am like stressed out by and for them. It's very <laughs> it's very morally gray. Uh so there's that it has that in common actually with Game of Thrones. And but the 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 way that these characters are trying to find agency in these very complicated circumstances, the way prophecy plays a role in it and again like I said the world building is so fascinating. I really loved this book. Can't wait for the next one. So if you have somebody in your life who's willing to, like, be in on a new series as it comes out, that's The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri. Well, speaking of trigger warnings, <laughs> my next pick is Flowers for the Sea by Zin E. Rocklin. And I had to include this novella because it is one of the most visceral, powerful, unique books I've read this year. But I do have to say in all caps that this book is not for the faint of heart. Um, and it comes with some trigger warnings as well for attempted suicide, mention of child death, and there is a ton of body horror in this book, just like every page, every page. So I would also say that it's probably not the best book to gift to people who would rather not read a book where being pregnant is central mm. to the horrors described in the story. So I think that's that's probably an important note. But the brunt of the story takes place on a ship with some flashbacks to life on land in a town where the main character, Iraxi, and her family have fled to from another town. And Iraxi's family was known for their ways with the sea. They have these sort of strange powers over the sea and the water. They have these uncanny abilities that set them apart as outsiders. And as you might imagine, especially in small towns in books, uh, being an outsider, especially outsiders with any sort of power, does not always have great consequences. And so their role in this town um, strains their relationship with the townspeople. And Araxi doesn't hold the gift, but she receives attention from a very dangerous and powerful person all the same. And one decision ends up landing her on this ship. 
at sea for seemingly endless days with very few resources and no family. And the description of life at sea here is truly awful. It's like the worst case scenario where things are being rationed and people are just not able to function in any way that would be considered humane. Their lifestyle is miserable and Iraxi is particularly miserable. She's pregnant and she's anything but happy about it. She's isolated even on the ship away from the rest of her shipmates. And also this strange affliction is affecting some of the people on the ship. And to make matters worse, there are monsters at sea, truly gruesome, horrifying monsters. And Araxia and everyone else is in danger all the time. So I would say that this is one for readers. We were just talking about how novellas are a great space for experimentation with form and style. This is definitely for readers who enjoy unusual prose styles and also vengeance themes Mm. and haunting stories that really are not afraid of going to the darkest corners of the mind because we are in Araxi's mind the whole time. And there are some truly dark spaces there. And I will say also that for all the horrors and the grimness of this story, this is ultimately a vengeance-fueled but triumphant tale, (laughs) I guess I will describe it as. (laughs) So again, that was Flowers for the Sea by Zinn E. Rockland. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. I might as well give my darkest pick on the tales of Sharifas. (laughs) So I was thinking about how, well, obviously there are many of us who do want to sometimes go to those dark places in the safety of a story that lets us like explore it without actually being in it. And also, I know that there are a lot of speculative fiction readers out there who like it to feel like real but just like twisted slightly um and so this is for if you have a strong constitution you really love like what if this like real but this stories uh it is sorrowland by river solomon it does come with content warnings for domestic violence harm to animals child abuse queer phobia body horror and racism it is dark and strange and difficult and totally worth it. It is also very much about how a movement that was meant to be liberatory can be co-opted and twisted. Uh, Vern, our main character, has grown up on this very strict religious compound where it is clear from the jump, like, things are not... It's not good. It's not good. It's not a good place (laughs) to be. And there are a lot of reasons how that has happened. It was meant to be a safe haven for Black Americans. It has become something far different. So she escapes. She's also pregnant and gives birth to twins and is living in the woods, uh, just sort of existing. But there is something hunting her. And as she tries to figure out both the real story of where she came from and why someone is pursuing her, 
very intense things happen. <laughs> I don't really want to say too much more than that. It's a whole journey and it is sort of a unique storytelling style that Solomon is doing here. And so it's very uh, worth it to like go with the flow of how the story develops as uh, you follow Vern through this. But to give more sort of context for what it feels like to read it like it is, it's Southern Gothic. It is very much about what it means to be a queer person in the world, what it means to be a black person in the world, um, what it means to have strange powers that you don't know how to control or what they're doing to you or whether or not you even want them. Like there's a lot going on in this book and it is amazing. The ending is very bittersweet. I really loved it. Uh, again, that is Sorrowland by Rivers Solomon. Wow, we're just going <laughs> going all in. I have I have holidays. more cheerful picks coming. I swear. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, my next pick. There are some less dark stories in this anthology. It's black sci-fi short stories. This is part of a gothic fantasy uh, series. Most of these stories are sci-fi. And this comes from Flame Tree Publishing with editorial support from Tia Ross and the Black Writers Collective and more. And I actually received this book as a gift recently, so I was really excited about it because it is a truly, like, flashy, you know, when you open some books um, as presents and it's just got this flashy, beautiful cover and it just mm. looks like a gift mm. in a book. This is one of those books. It's a huge tome. It's collects so many stories and I think this is a great pick for anyone looking to explore black science fiction and fantasy. These stories are old and new. They're from well-known and possibly under the radar black authors. So for instance, there are stories from W.E.B. Du Bois, K. Tempest Bradford. There are stories from a 19th century journalist and abolitionist Martin R. Delaney. I had never heard of this person before. And so part of like exploring this anthology was just meeting authors and journalists and playwrights like 19th century novelist and playwright Pauline Hopkins that I just never heard about. So I thought that it was just really refreshing to get a collection of stories that had classics from Black authors from way back when that I might otherwise have never encountered. And the stories are also, they explore all sorts of themes like uh, colonization, time travel. There's alternate history that was written way back when. So it's alternate history that kind of explores a time that has passed. And there's also an introduction from Dr. Sandra M. Grayson that defines and explores Black science fiction and also talks about contemporary science fiction by writers of African descent. So if you really want to dive into some classics and you've been struggling to find classics by Black writers specifically in science fiction and fantasy, I highly recommend 
this collection. I just think it's great. So again, that's Black Sci-Fi Short Stories, and this is from Flame Tree Publishing. That's awesome. That's uh, one of the beauties of collections, right, is finding new authors, and especially when they're classics that have maybe been overlooked. That sounds great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Do recommend. Nice. All right, so my super feel-good recommendation, here we go, it's coming. (laughs) It is Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki, and this is, like, Sharifa recommended literally Becky Chambers. This is also, I think, for Becky Chambers fans. It is also for people who love sci-fi and fantasy in the same book. Um, They pitched it as like a good omens read-alike, which I actually don't think is too far off the mark. It has that sense of humor and the angels and demons sort of twist does come into it. It's Mm -hmm. also an extremely healing queer story. And so I will give content warnings for sexual assault, child abuse, transphobia, and racism. But I think it's important to know that the way that those traumas are held is so gentle and so supportive that like, it's not about feeling the trauma. It's about what happens next. And the characters are so amazing. I struggle to pick my favorite, but there's two main ones. Uh, Katrina, who is a young transgender runaway teen. She loves the violin. She is not particularly trained. She's kind of self-taught. And she has run away from an abusive household, is really struggling to find her footing. And one day she's busking in a park and she is overheard by a woman named Shizuka Satomi, who is like a preeminent violin teacher who also happens to have made a deal with the devil. Side note. Just like you do, like you do. Uh, when she was a young violinist, she made a deal for like fame and glory and whatnot. And now to prevent her soul from being dragged down to hell, she has to deliver seven other souls to hell. And so she has been on the lookout for her next pupil slash soul to deliver. There is also a donut shop staffed by aliens There is all kinds of shenanigans as you move through. The the book is set in the San Gabriel Valley of California, which I have a passing familiarity with from my time in L.A. Um, And so there were definitely a few landmarks that like are referenced that I was like, hey, I know that one. (laughs) Like it was really delightful to read a California story. And this book is just a love letter to to that area, to the Asian-American diaspora community community there. It's a love letter to music and like the power of music in our lives. And again, it is a love letter to the queer community. Like everybody in this story is just like they get what they need, which is so lovely and healing to read. And it's just it's so funny, y'all. It is so funny. It's just I really it's one of my favorite books of the year. I truly, truly I loved it. And I think it's a great gift. So again, that's Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. I love that book so much. I second that. It's so good. I'm going to skip down to my gentlest read just because it feels right. (laughs) So I want to talk about Pilu of the Woods by Mike Nguyen. 
And this is really just a sweet, heartfelt story for fans of comics and for nature lovers. Um, This is a middle grade and up graphic novel. And I think it's it's great for kids. I think it's also great for adults who just want a gentle, wonderful read. And it's particularly good for kids who might be grieving or working through some anger. So the story follows Willow, who's a young girl who runs into the woods after an angry outburst, and she stumbles on this tree spirit named Pilu, and Pilu is lost in the woods. She also ran away from home. And so in trying to help Pilu and convince her that her family does care about her, Willow ends up having to reckon with these misgivings. She's been holding and pushing down about her own family and also about how she's been expressing her grief at home and at school. So interspersed with the story are these really interesting factoids about mushrooms that I did not know (laughs) as a grown person. There is all sorts of new stuff for me in here. Uh, So there are like interesting factoids about mushrooms and also about our responsibility to the natural world and to each other that Willow learned from her parents. And then there's also a really cute note section where young readers can draw and note plants they see in nature like Willow does, which I thought was a wonderful addition to the graphic novel. I will say that the story does touch on the death of a parent, but it does so in a really thoughtful, gentle way again. And it's just a really great story that illustrates friends helping each other work through their emotions together. And we kind of take this emotional journey with Willow and with Pilu. And it also depicts a family where nobody is perfect and people have outbursts and they have moments where they make not the best decisions, but everyone is doing their best to look out for each other. And that's ultimately what's important. So that was Pilu of the Woods by My K. Wynn. That sounds amazing. I definitely... It's beautiful. Well, maybe need to give that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last pick uh, is my hard sci-fi pick. It is also my pick for people who love character-driven science fiction. I think it balances the, like technological, interesting, you know, spacey stuff with the character development. And it is We Have Always Been Here by Lena Nguyen. It is a thriller, like a crime thriller on a spaceship. Uh, There is a lot that happens here. It is very much about our main character, who is uh, like you think it's very reasonable to call her a misanthrope. Um, Grace Park is a psychologist, but not like the like sit down, like listen to your problems, like have a conversation kind of psychologist. Instead, she studies behaviorisms and actually has like implanted technology that helps her read people's physical manifestations of their inner thoughts. 
And she is on a spaceship headed to an ice planet in an unexplored galaxy. And in this future, it is very corporate. So she works for, you know, the company, capital C kind of situation. And everybody else, the crew on this spaceship, there's like 11 of them. They all know that she's kind of there to spy on them. And some of them are indentured to the company and some of them are not. So there's a lot of like weird who has what clearance, who's in charge of what, who is working because they have to, who's here because they want to sort of complications. Um, And she really, the crew is not super interested in being nice to her or getting along with her. She does have a very strong bond with androids for reasons which you discover over the course of the book. You get some flashbacks to her childhood and growing up. And that is also suspicious to her fellow humans because they're not, like, super into the androids. Uh, And they get to this planet, and she's not allowed on it. She's not allowed off ship. And very strange things are happening. Crew people are falling ill or disappearing or behaving extremely strangely. This is very much like a tense... What is going on? What is real? Who can you trust sort of adventure? So if you love that kind of sci-fi thriller feel, it is perfect for that. I was so stressed out this entire book. (laughs) And I loved being in Grace's head because she is just so real about her capabilities and limitations and like frustrations with other humans. And I was just like, like, I I am not as like, you know, far along that spectrum as she is. But I was like, I appreciate this. Like, I can feel this. (laughs) Um, And I also think that the way that you find out what exactly is going on is really beautifully paced out. So, yes, psychological, sci-fi thriller, sat on a spaceship, there's androids, there's, like, weird planetary shenanigans, uh, and it's it's a great pick for the hard sci-fi fans in your life, especially if people are, like, looking for, like, Michael Crichton but updated. This is, this is that. Uh, so we have always been here by Lena Nguyen. Mm, that sounds great. Yeah, I think you would love it, Sharifa. <laughs> yeah, I heard Michael Crichton and I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. I would read that probably in one sitting. Yes, you would. You would. You're going to tear through it. Well, I'm going dark again, but hear me out because this is a different kind of dark. This is like fairy tale dark because I wanted to recommend Tales from the Hinterland by Melissa Albert. I have had this book on my shelf for a really long time and just recently picked it up and could not stop reading it. So I think that this is just generally a wonderful fireside read to either get lost in or to read in an installment since it is, again, a collection of fairy tales. Uh, So some background on this book, Tales from the Hinterland, is taken directly from Melissa Albert's novel, The Hazelwood, which I really, really loved. And The Hazelwood is part of a fantasy series that's set in a contemporary world. But firstly, you do not have to have read The Hazelwood or The Night Country to enjoy this particular collection. And secondly, these stories are very much in the vein of Grimm's fairy tales or basically any older Western fairy tales that tend toward the dark and gruesome. Like, don't expect a bunch of happy endings from this collection. But I think that if you have read and enjoyed The Hazelwood, you were probably as excited as I was that Albert wrote this collection 
because Tales from the Hinterland was a big part of that story. So there are some familiar stories and characters in here. And also just who doesn't love a book within a book that is actually realized in real life? Like, <laughs> I, when I read The Hazelwood, I was like, I want Tales from the Hinterland to be a thing. And then lo and behold, I get Tales from the Hinterland. It's so delightful. <laughs> so these are the kinds of stories that I don't know, might give some kids nightmares. So I'd maybe think twice before giving it to anybody younger than I'd say a, a teenager. Maybe even a preteen you could give it to depending on who it is. But maybe not a, a very young child because, again, it's super gruesome. Uh, but I, I'm 100% sure child me would have devoured this book and loved it, possibly had nightmares, but that's okay. Uh, these are stories where there are not always good folks to root for, where, for instance, women are kidnapped and or forced to live in captivity, where rotten kids get eaten alive and... People follow just their worst instincts, to be honest. And each of the tales is deliciously creepy. So that's sort of like a little bit divergent from the, the dark stories I've been talking about on this episode. I think there is a difference between that sort of deliciously, delightfully creepy feeling you get from some fairy tales and again, the collection as a whole is really hard to put down. So you might want to read like one story at a time, but I don't know. I dare you to read one story and not read the <laughs> next one immediately after. And also, this is another book that's just such an attractive, illustrated book. It's just, it has that gilding on the cover. It has these illustrations that complement each story. It just is another book that really looks like a gift. So again, that was Tales from the Hinterland by Melissa Albert. All right. Is that our show? I think that's our show. That is our show. Wow. That was so quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for following along on our holiday recommendations. SFF Yeah is sound edited by Natalie Baker. Many thanks to them for making us sound great each and every episode. You can check out more recommendations at bookriot.com. And you could also find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you have a moment, please review us on Apple Podcasts. And where can our listeners find you online, Jen? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And you can find me on Instagram at Sinab Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope that you beat the supply chain. <laughs>